Hello and welcome to Medico Legal Expert Insight. My name is Jessica and in this podcast, we interview medical and legal professionals to help connect and understand when, what, why and how both sides interpret the information given to them. The goal is to share expert opinions from both sides of the medico-legal industry. I do want to say a huge thank you to eReports for the support and access to all these incredible experts. So let's get started and connect the dots through conversation. Today, I would like to welcome Jane McAuliffe, accredited specialist in personal injury law and senior associate at Slater and Gordon. Jane is going to share her career story, going from motor vehicle accident to abuse law cases. She's going to give us some insights into why the change, the difference between the two, how she selects her experts, and what is important when choosing the experts for her cases. Jane is originally from Ireland and has a background in human rights. Her work history includes the Irish Commission for Justice and Peace, the International Commission of Jurists and both the Irish and Victorian Law Reform Commissions. She completed her law degree at University College in Dublin in 1998 and completed a European Master's degree in Human Rights and Democratisation at the University of Padua in Italy. (laughs) She then went on and qualified as a barrister in Ireland in 2002. Jane then completed a Master's of Law at the La Trobe University in Melbourne in 2006 and was admitted to practice in the Supreme Court of Victoria in 2009. She is now accredited by the Law Institute of Victoria as Specialist in Personal Injury Law. Jane has worked at Slater and Gordon Lawyers for over 13 years, spending many of those years working in motor vehicle accident litigation and more recently joining the National Abuse Team. She is currently she currently runs the Victorian Institute Abuse Practice at Slater and Gordon. Jane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It's really nice. You are most welcome. Thank you. Um, so tell me, Jane, why the change? Why did you go from motor vehicle accident to abuse law? Um, so I had been doing motor vehicle accident litigation for um, around 13 years. Um, and I really loved it. And I, I got a lot out of it. And I, I really, um, it, it, it's been a great, it was very good to me in terms of, you know, a great, a great area to practice in, great colleagues great mentors at Slater and Gordon in that area. But I think I just got to a point in my career where I really uh, felt like um, it was either time to have a change or that would be what I'd be doing forever. And I felt really like I would like to try something different. And I had been having these feelings about really wanting to do something um, that was really, really meaningful to me, like Um, institutional abuse or child protection law or something like that Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that the motor vehicle accident stuff wasn't really meaningful to me it it was but I think I just thought uh, you know I was kind of at that crossroads and then just a wonderful opportunity came up for me at Slater and Gordon Lawyers which I just jumped at 
so that's really how it happens. I think it was good timing. Yeah, okay, because it's it's very rare to stay in sort of one area of law for 13 years, so no wonder you sort of wanted to change it up a little bit. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Although I have to say, um, Slater and Gordon Lawyers has quite a, a, um, a kind of a strong reputation and a strong history of lawyers really specialising in a particular area mm. um, and, you know, working in it for many years and kind of getting to the top of their profession in that kind of area. So it wasn't um, a lot of my managers at Slade and Gordon Lawyers in the MBA, in the Motor Vehicle Action team had been there for many years and, and you know, were just, uh, they were kind of, you know, um, working with the TAC at a policy level to try and make things better for claimants. Just very, you know, um, senior and involved in the area. So um, that kind of also does appeal to me to to really bed down the area that you're in and really become a specialist in it. Um, and I suppose, you know, I was thinking that that was certainly an avenue that was open to me. But when this opportunity came up to move into the abuse team, I was really, really happy to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so since since the Royal Commission opened up the compensation for victims of abuse, have you, have you found more and more people are opening up and coming to you for help with these cases? Um, I think that is probably right, yes. I think um, I think the, what the Royal Commission really did was put uh, child abuse, um, you know, in the front of everyone's mind mm. and really put it on the table and changed the narrative around it and made it from... I think something that uh, you know may, that is not for the survivor, the victim to be ashamed of, um, and you know I think uh, most of the clients that I have, or a lot of the people I speak to in this area, feel deep shame about what happened to them when they were children, um, and you know sometimes I'm the first first person they've they've ever told about what happened to them, but I think the Royal Commission has helped to. Um, let people know that they're not alone mm. and also to um, help people to understand that they did not do anything wrong um, and that um, there's other people out there and that there's support out there for them as well. And so I do think it's probably made the path a little bit easier for people to come out and, and speak about what happened to them. And I think it's also you know, made people realize that there's something potentially they might be able to do about it. Um, you know, and, and get some compensation, which will never put them back in the position they were in before or in any way undo what has been done to them. But it can, I suppose, maybe give them a bit of security, um, you know, allow them to do something nice in their lives, like have a nice holiday or, you know, get the treatment they need or buy the house that they that, that will help them feel secure. Um, so I think I think the Royal Commission has also um, allowed people to understand that there is something they can do. Very often they say to me, I, I just for years thought there was nothing I could do about this. Yeah, okay. So how long have you been in the abuse team for now? So I moved into the abuse team in July of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so coming up to, I suppose, a year um, this July. So from the 1st of July, the, the finance, I started this financial year. Yeah. And do you find that there is a big difference between motor vehicle and abuse law? Yes. So 
they are very different. Uh, um, I suppose the big difference uh, from a legal, a t- a technical um, point of view is that the um, in transport accident litigation there is, or in that area, there's a no-fault um, system which um, is available to people. So even if somebody um, was at fault for their own car accident, um, they can get some benefits. They can get some weekly payments to cover some of their lost wages. They can get their medical expenses covered and they can get a lump sum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people can also go on and bring a common law or a civil claim where somebody else was at fault for their accident. Um, with abuse claims, um, although there is now the National Redress Scheme, which is a, a you know, um, a, a, I suppose a no fault in many ways, um, system, um, most of the but most of the civil claims that we bring uh, requires finding a an institution to be at fault for allowing or letting the abuse to occur on its watch. So there's uh, that's the, I suppose the big difference is that there's no real no fault system in in, in abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I suppose um, with motor vehicle accident claims. Um, although there's always a psychological element because I think motor vehicle accidents are by their very nature very traumatic. Mm. Um, the vast majority of the clients I would have dealt with over the years would have had physical um, injuries as well and often their predominant injuries are physical. We did have, and I have had many clients where they did only have a psychological injury because a loved one was killed in an accident or something like that, but they were far rarer than people who have, you know, broken bones or nerve damage or things like that. So, it, but with abuse claims, um, pretty much um, they're, they're just psychological claims, so claims for psychological injury. Yeah. So I suppose that's um, quite a big difference as well. Yeah. So I would imagine that you would be quite selective with the type of experts that you're using for these cases because you would want yeah. that real area of expertise? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I uh, and I've had to kind of find um, experts who really specialise in this field. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only doctor really that I, or medical legal expert that I would use in an abuse claim is a um, psychiatrist, whereas in a motor vehicle accident claim, I would have, sometimes you'd have six, seven, eight different medical legal experts um, in one claim. So if somebody had a very significant accident, you you could have, you know, uh, and part of the skill, I think, in motor vehicle accident uh, claims is, you know, ensuring that you are getting all the injuries uh, appropriately assessed. Whereas um, in abuse claims, it's just a psychiatrist. Um, but, you know, it, it's important, um, I think, to find psychiatrists who have experience with um, victims of sexual abuse. Um, and um, because it is, there is quite a specialised or distinctive kind of suite of symptoms um, that make up, um, you know, the kind of post-traumatic stress disorder that tends to arise from childhood sexual and physical abuse. So. And finding uh, experts who really understand that area, I think, is very important. Yeah. And have you found reading, say, a psychiatric report from a motor vehicle accident 
compared to an abuse law report, there's a huge difference in the detail in yes. what's actually discussed in in the consultation with the expert. What what's what have you noticed in the reports that's like sort of the major difference? I suppose um, with the uh, look, I had very good experts that I used for psychiatric experts that I used for the motor vehicle accident claims and they did go into a person's history in quite a bit of detail really just trying to work out was there pre-existing injury or condition there but um, they're mainly focused on their symptoms of trauma following the car accident or the motor vehicle accident such as you know um, uh, being triggered by other accidents and bad dreams about accidents things like that Mm-hmm. With a with the experts with the reports for abuse claims, um, it really has to delve very much into the history of of the of the person of of the injured person, right back to you know their family of origin, um, their childhood before the abuse, where they went to school, um, ha, you know has to go into pretty difficult detail often about the abuse. And mm. what had happened, where it happened, how many times it happened, and then really has a long history to chart following the abuse of the impact because it's really a lifetime of impact. Whereas often with a car accident, somebody might be injured, you know, in in their midlife. Whereas um, with institutional abuse cases, these people are always injured when they're very young. So there's a whole lifetime of trauma uh, and impact there that the the medical legal specialist really has to to chart through and analyze. So, you know, I think it's probably a very difficult um, job. And I do notice that they do tend to spend um, quite a bit longer with our clients than um, they needed to um, in for my clients who in motor vehicle accident claims. Yeah, because, again, I would imagine that they're trying to really delve back into yep. the past so yes. having to spend that extra time with them to try and even yep. tap into what may or may not have happened exactly and you know it's it's difficult for a lot of these clients because mm. it's a long time ago um quite a common symptom can be disassociation or repressing of memories so um it can be difficult to um for clients to to really bring this stuff back up and generally they they know they're going to this appointment and they try and prepare themselves and uh, you know they're kind of pursuing a claim so these things are probably on their mind but I think there is a real skill for the expert in assisting the client to really go back and to help them draw out those memories that are crucial to um, their claim but also you know I mean, the overarching, I suppose, priority for us is that the client is okay. Mm. So, not you know, it's very important that they're not re-traumatized as part of this process as far as possible anyway. Yeah. So when you were looking for abuse law experts, what what was important to you and what still is important to you when choosing these experts? Um, so, uh, well, there's a few different things. Some of them are practical uh, or you know just a more practical than others and then some are are more kind of nuanced so um first of all i need a um a a group of both female and male um psychiatrists um, and 
you know, I'm a bit ashamed to admit this, but with my motor vehicle accident practice, I really, there was a couple of male um, experts that, psychiatric experts, I used um, other females in other areas, but I didn't have any female psychiatric experts really that I used. Um, but a lot of my, and, you know, I, I do try to um, be mindful of gender balance in the work I do, but it's very important in the area of abuse because many of my clients have a very strong um, requirement that they that they don't interact with, with one gender or the other in, in terms of these kind of um, um, processes. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of my clients are would be men who may be abused by men, so they really want to speak to a female psychiatrist. And it would be similar with barristers. I, I would get for... For you know, some of my clients, I would make sure I have a female barrister um, at any settlement conferences or anything like that. Because um, so that's um, an important factor. Yeah, um, but I suppose the main thing I'm looking for is um, the most important thing for me with my experts is that they um, have empathy for my clients mm. um, and that they you know will listen to them and treat them respectfully. Um, and I suppose that's even more important in this area because, um, you, you know, these clients are, are the most probably damaged and vulnerable clients that I've ever encountered. Um, and they really need to be, you know, treated respectfully and given the time and listened to. Um, and so it's very important to me that I have experts in this area who really understand that and who are happy to put aside the time because because I have had, excuse me, experts in the past, not psych- psychiatric, I have to say, mm-hmm. but in other areas where my client's feedback afterwards has been that they just felt very rushed in the appointment and that they didn't feel listened to. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important to me with my abuse um, survivor clients that, that that's not their experience. Um, and I think just somebody who has experience in this field um, who has dealt with um, trauma victims and abuse victims and, you know, has knowledge about the area is also very important. But I think for me, the number one thing is, is really empathy. Yeah, yeah. So can you maybe share, do you have any good, bad, ugly stories that you could share <laughs> about the appointments? Um, well, so far, I have to say in my abuse practice, um, and I think it is because we're very careful with who we use, um, my clients have all had very positive feedback and we are very careful to call our clients after their appointments because we're aware that they, you know, can be quite a traumatizing, um, I suppose, point in their claim and they've always had very positive feedback. But I certainly have in, in my motor vehicle accident um, uh, uh, career had some interesting um you know, incidents that, and, you know, I, I, again, I think over, over years, you, you build up kind of a stable of experts that you get to know and get to trust um, and really like, but, you know, a lot of the time, the complaints from clients would be, you know, that the doctor, perhaps sometimes surgeons um, were arrogant or didn't listen to them, wouldn't let them ask questions, would cut, cut them off when they're trying to explain something and mm. um, so those things are you know disappointing but often you know at the end of that you'd still get a very you know good and and well written and um, report 
but just the client's experience hasn't been very good. So it's always, uh, you know, difficult having to say to a client, look, I know, but this doctor is really excellent and the reports are excellent. And, yeah. um, but I'm sorry you had that experience. Um, and then, you know, the, the opposite is also true. I've had situations where, you know, I have doctors that I have a relationship with and have built up, you know, trust with over years. And then my client goes in and, you know, we've had situations where clients have got violent. It's not funny, but like violent or abusive and oh, the wow. doctors have had to. Yeah. So that's also very embarrassing and difficult because. You know, obviously, our the clients are very stressed out, and often they're, you know, this is a very traumatic part of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, if they've been injured, they might not be able to earn any income. But, um, you know, there's no excuse ever for being abusive towards somebody. So that's always awful when you get that feedback from the doctor. As well. yeah. <laughs> that you know, your client hasn't behaved very well either. So it's, a, I suppose. Um, yeah, so uh, they're the real the real things. I mean, uh, you know, um, most of the time, I think um, I, I've been, you know, I try to choose doctors who will give a good re- report, as, you know, who who know what they're doing, understand, um, say, the guidelines that they have to use to um, uh, um, examine someone. Um, so whether it's Skeptic or the AMA guides or whatever it is they need to to, to be over, but really also um, trying to find doctors who you know are empathetic and, and listen. Yeah, yeah. So with the doctors that you do uh, work with, and when you came across them when you when, when you moved apartments, is it mainly you found them just through your colleagues recommending them, um, and yeah. then you trialing them yeah. out to see what their reports yeah. were like? Is that the yeah. main? Yeah, so uh, my colleague, um, uh, Barry Willicott, has been doing this work later for years and years and, you know, is 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 one of the, you know, uh, top lawyers in this area. Yeah, in Victoria. so you've got a good and mentor. He, yes, and, and so he has, he has, he has had, he has doctors that he knows and he's used for years and he knows that they are, um, as in, he, he doesn't know them personally necessarily, but he knows that they have practice in this area, he knows their background, he knows their experience. And um, so he, um, you know, has recommended um, uh, experts to me. And then also just from other lawyers, you know, it's quite a collegiate area, actually, mm-hmm. institutional abuse in terms of, of lawyers and um, from other firms. And, you know, we do talk a bit and, and, and ask each other for advice. And so I've, I've also found some very good experts from some other lawyers who've been doing this work for some time as well yeah yeah so now that you've been in abuse law for nearly 12 months what, what's the verdict are you, are you loving this area of law do you miss motor vehicle accidents um so it sounds awful to say this because it it just sounds you know strange but I really really love it I love mm. my job it, it's so motivating it really is what gets me up every day. Um, but well, you're uh, helping and, people at the end of the day. Yeah, you really and, are helping people. That's right. And you really feel, uh, you know, that for many of these people, not all of them, but for many of these people, you know, they've just had just a very difficult life and, and nothing really seems to have gone their way. 
and they were set on this really difficult trajectory from when they were very young because of this abuse. And I just have to, I feel, well, you know, if nobody has really listened to them or helped them, then we need to, and we need to step up and really, you know, help them to get through this process and get some kind of feeling that something has been done, some kind of justice, some kind of recognition from the defendants that, uh, you know, of what has occurred and get some kind of compensation that might help them to kind of, you know, live a more peaceful or restful life moving forward. So that's an extremely motivating thing to feel, well, you know, if, if something good can come out of this, if anything positive can happen out of, out of this, um, you know, we need to make that happen. So uh, it, it is a great area to work in. You meet, you know, incredibly strong and, you know, incredible people who've been through so much mm. um, and are still, you know, trucking on as best they can, like really in- incredible um, clients. And you just hear the most astonishing stories. Um, and, yeah, I just find it extremely motivating. But that's not to say I loved my job when I was, in motor vehicle accidents doing those claims as well um you know it's that i love that and that's why i suppose i stayed with it for so long but i i have to say i i wouldn't look back now i'm very happy with the change that i made it just was the right time for me and and you know i'm really happy with 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 it day to day it's great yeah, awesome. Well, I wish you all the best in the new role. Thank Even you so though you've much. nearly Thank been you. there a year, it sounds like it's very <laughs> rewarding and very exciting it's for you. So and I look forward yeah. to watching your journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. It's been really nice to chat to you. Thanks so much for coming on, Jane. Okay, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.